This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we are back, folks. Another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. Here uh, on the heels of a couple of games where the offense... Uh, in one on one game or in one game was was pretty good fleeting in the other defense fleeting in the first half but adjustments got him better in the second half in both games joining me to talk about that like he does every single episode a guy who's a star for the Michigan basketball program before being a first round draft pick in the NBA now one of the best basketball commentators in the land my good friend Tim McCormick Tim how are you my friend I'm really excited. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to talk to you, Sam. I look forward to it every week, especially because there's only one football game left. And so that means we're entering the real basketball season. There are no distractions. There are compelling games every single night. And Sam, did you know we're 33 days away from Selection Sunday? I did not know. I did not have the exact number, but it brings in the focus, the task at hand, the sense of urgency for this team to pad its resume uh, to the level that is necessary to be selected on Selection Sunday. And so we got to start off with that Purdue matchup. Uh, I admit, Tim, and maybe this came through in our last conversation, I wasn't that optimistic heading into that game. I mean, Purdue, uh, they can light it up offensively. They don't really guard you like they used to, but they're still, they still can be a good defensive team. And Michigan went into Mackey Arena and really played Purdue to the hilt, giving me hope that your prediction that they would lose in West Lafayette but win in Ann Arbor, I'm a little more optimistic about that now on the heels of that game, Tim. I am. I, I really enjoyed that game a lot. I thought that they played fabulous. And 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 to be honest with you, um, you know, for a lot of this season, Michigan did not look like an NCAA team to me against Northwestern. Nebraska, um, but but somehow they they were able to to turn some losses into wins, and now to their credit, they've won five of seven, and two of those wins are on the road, and and two losses are the top ten teams, Michigan State, and and the game that you're talking about with Purdue, um, they shot fifty five percent from the field, they they got you know plenty of help. And Hunter was able to stay out of foul trouble. That that's a big if for sure. Um, but in the end, it's a loss, and and you don't get any credit for that. But but when when you think about Michigan's flaws, um, they they did a couple things that that I I think were were really important. Number one, I like the way that they used their press to just kind of change things up a little bit. They generated a couple turnovers. But the nice thing is that they don't have an extra 10 seconds to try to force feed the ball mm-hmm. into Edie and Williams. So that's a big perk. Um, I think they need to do a, a much better job on, on Jay Nivey, but not many people can keep him right. in front of them. Right. So that's hard too. Um, but, but right now they're just, they're way too reliant on Hunter Dickinson. And, and here's my, my biggest fear 
is that can Hunter stay out of foul trouble again? He's he's been brilliant doing that the last two nights, and I don't think he's ever had a game in his life where he shot the ball like he did at Mackey Arena. And I don't think you can count on him doing that again. So, you know, there's there's a lot of work and a lot of questions we have to dive into. Yeah, I thought that it was for me an example of what I what I felt about Hunter since they came back from the pause that there's this this switch that he's flipped that he's he's ready to be that guy game in and game out. Give him the ball, he'll go to work. He has more versatility in this game. I mean, he can pick and pop, he can shoot threes, uh he can turn and face. He's comfortable doing those things. The only thing that he doesn't seem super comfortable with yet, Tim, is is is, is that right hand doesn't really seem to be uh, as fluid with that as as he's gonna need to be. I think as he moves up in level, but he's ready for the challenge to be that guy for this team game in and game out. Question is who's gonna be the other guy game in and game out? Fortunately for them in that game, Tim, they had other guys willing that were able to step up the problem to me is they could they couldn't really figure anything out defensively to get stops consistently not until Jawan threw that wrinkle in where they brought some press into the equation something that's bothered Purdue this season and disrupted them in other games to me a big key is going to that a little earlier versus Purdue when they come to to Michigan on Thursday there's a lot of good points you make Sam there there was plenty of help uh, the the fact that that Hunter was amazing from the perimeter, um, but Devontae Jones was aggressive, and they got some production from the bench. Um, they played some zone, which to me, if you're playing zone as much as Michigan is, you, you're shouting to the world. I don't think our team is very good defensively. Okay, and so I worry about that. But Tim, but Tim, don't you have to be look. I, I think you're you're at the point now where it's uh it's about trying to figure out something that works. Even if even if it signals what you're saying, and I agree with you, it does, but I think it it also is honest. I mean, Michigan is not a good man to man defensive team because they, they lack perimeter quickness. Uh they lack perimeter quickness at the one spot, they lack perimeter quickness uh at the three spot. I mean, it's it's a tough deal for them to match up with some of these teams and we've We've seen that. I thought the, the zone was a good elixir for him. Right. And and let me take it one step further. If if you're playing against Michigan right now and and you see Hunter Dickinson, the first thing you're doing is saying, we are going to pick and roll him to death. Mm-hmm. We're going to get our best perimeter ball handler, our best one-on-one guy, and we're going to run a 1-5 pick and roll and make it switch. And then all of a sudden you've got a playmaker against Hunter, and that's a big mismatch. There's nobody behind him if he's playing 15 to 30 feet from the basket covering pick and roll. It hurts the rebounding. So so I, I think that's another big reason why that they're doing that. Also, Musa Diabati is a, a, a very agile, athletic big man. He's not very good at pick and roll defense. Neither is Caleb Houston. Not many freshmen are. So yeah. so that's a that's a that's a big reason as well. Yeah, let me uh let me give a nod to your basketball knowledge and expertise and another great call by you. And, you know, something I got to take a, it on the chin for, for being wrong. I, I think this part needs to improve, though. But you talked about the freshmen being liabilities defensively. And I think we saw that in both games. That's not too, that's not picking on them or anything like that. But it just is what it is. And it 
what it does speak to is why, uh, whether, whether it's your take or what we see from the coaches, why you don't throw more minutes on them right now uh, because they're, they're giving up too much defensively out there. And, you know, if you're going to – you can't you can't give up something on both ends of the floor. You got to give – I mean, at least if you're going to give up something defensively, are you getting it back on the offensive end of the floor and they don't do that consistently enough to mask the uh, the defensive holes that we see uh, too often from, from that class, from that class right now. And, again, not picking on them, but that's just uh, – it's just the brass tacks of it right now. The four freshmen are really struggling, and most freshmen do – especially with their one-on-one defense. And I think it's part of the, the, the maturation process. Uh, if they get extended minutes, they're going to get exposed. And I have a feeling that Kobe Bufkin today will be watching a lot of yeah. video <laughs> with the coaches on his one-on-one D. He was yeah. out of place. Yeah. He was trailing the play, and he was allowing guys to get to their right hand. Yeah. Um, you know, Musa is covering Seth Lundy and Miles Dredd. Those guys are, are really good ball players. Miles Dredd's a guard. And, and, and so what I would encourage him to do is just think the game and know that it's going to be a hard time if you've got to cover a little guy on the perimeter. Um, you know, protect the lane, close out late. With his length, if, if somebody is getting ready to shoot, Make sure they're shooting first and they just get a hand up. That's all you have to do. Against Penn State, 70% in the first half or in the Nittany Lions, a lot of it had to do with the freshmen. Yeah, man, uh, I'm pretty sure Co- he, he, Juwan has some things to say. To, to I wasn't at the game, obviously, but you you knew when he called because he was going to sub for Kobe, and then he mm-hmm. called a timeout, and you you could just – you knew he was talking to the young man. Uh, about the defensive end of the of the floor, but you know you can't sing. I mean, there are, you know, I thought that all the freshmen that that is that is something. But you know, for for Michigan, I thought a good portion of the first half of that game, we saw a lot of defensive errors. I mean, they were reckless on closeouts. Uh, they weren't sticky uh, in in their ball screen coverage. I mean, if you if you are telling guys to fight through ball screens, man, dudes have to fight through a ball screen. <laughs> like you can't just you can't just olay. Uh, and there were a lot of Olays to the basket in the first half of that Penn State game. I know that we've jumped ahead, but it it speaks to to me a theme of this game. They, Michigan was outstanding offensively against Purdue, and I, I do want to focus on some defensive aspects in the half court that I want you to maybe highlight for us. But overall, to me, it was a good adjustment bringing pressure in the Penn State game it was a good adjustment going to a zone it was kind of like a matchup zone and they 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 blew them up took them out of their rhythm and, and Penn State was never the same the coaches are giving them the tools was on the players Tim and I want you to speak to this as well something I talked about last week it cannot be the case for this team that intensity focus connectedness those things cannot ever wane for this squad because offense is going to wane Defense cannot, unfortunately, we see that happen too much for this team right now. That needs to get better if they're going to make the turn. Yeah, and and boy, we've got a lot to digest. So let's let's talk about the defense and then talk about the Penn State game and we can dive into the matchup against Purdue if that's okay. Yes. Um, so I think what you're talking about is the perimeter defense and being able to cover the three-point line. And overall, I think you'd have to say if you look at the numbers, that Michigan has done a pretty good job. And and right now, it may not feel this way, especially when you think of some games like 
Central Florida and Seton Hall, where guys just get really hot against Michigan. But Michigan is fourth in the Big Ten covering threes this year. And I looked it up because I was surprised. I thought, gosh, it just seems like teams have good games against Michigan. Opponents are shooting 31% from three. That's number four. Michigan State is actually number one, and it's not that much better than Michigan. So I think that if you if if you sat down with Juwan and he opened up his heart to you, he, he probably is more happy with, with some of the perimeter defense than he is stopping the drive to the lane. Um, so it's something to keep an eye on. I personally, I don't like giving up layups and points in the paint, but, but this is Juwan's defense. And so he may be more happy with it than we are when we see opponents driving. Yeah. I wonder if, I guess for me, they're, they're sort of connected. I mean, I see guys, you know, running out, running out sometimes out of control to contest three point shots, giving leverage to the basket. Uh, you know, that that happened a lot early in the Penn State game. Uh, that is, a you know, again, a byproduct of, of what I talked about. I think guys have to, you know, they have to be mindful of, on one hand, some of their defensive limitations. I think other times guys don't necessarily know, know where their help is. I think that the coaching staff in that Penn State game especially, they helped them out. They helped their guys out a lot. With, with going to that zone. And that might be a concession to some people, but if, if teams are, are carving you up, getting to the basket, that's one way to, to slow that down and make them try to hit some jump shots. And Penn State couldn't do it once you, once you disrupted their rhythm. Problem with, <laughs> with Purdue is they do so much. I, I wonder, how did you defend Jay Nivey? I mean, if you're, if you're hard hedge he, or try to, he'll split you. Right. If you try to fight through a screen, he's so quick and, and comes off those screens so tight, Tim, that it is hard for guys to to fight through. You almost feel like you got to you maybe want to come under sometime and make him make him shoot jump shots and see if that'll slow him down, because they didn't really have an answer for him in that game. No, there, there is no answer. And, and I would live with his perimeter shooting. He did not shoot very well from three. And I would make him prove it. And if he does, then you just shake his hand at the end of the game and say, man, you're, you're going to have a great career. I love what you do. And, and in some ways, here, I'm going to make your heart smile, Sam. The, the defense that Michigan is trying to play with Caleb Houston at 6'8", and Musa at 6'11", and Hunter at 7'1", when they're on the court together, it's the equivalent of over the years. You know how how, you know, like Don Brown would put a linebacker on Ohio, Ohio State's wide outs and flankers, right? And like we would just, we'd see them in the end zone and say, okay, well, how, how in the world is he supposed to cover that? Like big guys yeah. don't cover little guys yeah. very well. Yeah. And, and what you'd have to do is just give a lot of space and then try to tackle them. Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's the challenge that they're facing. And I just, I don't see it getting better. Um, and that's why when you brought up zone, I think you're you're spot on that it helps their pick and roll defense. It helps Hunter keep out of pick and roll, and and then then also you can contest late, and that's that's a good strategy. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a a tough ma- tough matchup for anyone. I said to you too before we came on, man, I'm watching Jay Nivey and please Pistons, can can we get yeah. some more lottery luck and get Jay Nivey? Because he, you're right. You just got to hope his jumper is off, and you got to hope that the the offensive flow is like it was. I mean, Hunter was a man possessed. He had every almost everything going in that game. They're going to need that again. You just hope, like I said, 
dial that that pressure up a little sooner, a little earlier in the game. That does tax you, does stretch out. This is a short week. You, you, you wonder if that plays into the strategy of how much pressure you can apply for games in seven days. But, yeah, hey, man, I'm, I'm throwing it all out there and trying to see if I can be dis, be, be disruptive throughout because that has bothered Purdue all season. So uh, we'll see if it can, if it can happen again. Because you predicted, Tim. I want to take you back to it. You predicted that Michigan would lose in West Lafayette and win in Ann Arbor. I did, and I, I, um, I didn't, I didn't feel as good about the pick as I, I saw a nine and a half point spread. <laughs> it, it's hard to pick an outright win when it's that, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll stick with it. And if you want, I can tell you why I believe that that Michigan's got a great, great chance to win that game. Okay, so yeah, so let let me let's let's save that because I want to go in order and I want to get your take on this Penn State game because watching, you know. Your job as a coach—I've never been a coach—but I, what I want to see in a coach with with their with their scheme, with their game plan, are you creating opportunities? Mm-hmm. And they were creating opportunities, Tim. They were Michigan was getting good looks. It didn't look like it the way they were shooting the basketball. I mean, there were some bad misses in that game, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I don't even know how. I don't know how you what you do as a coach. As a coach, when that happens, that's why I say all it puts even more pressure on your defense to be more present, to be more of a constant. Because if you're going to have nights like that where the offense is creating open opportunities and you you're banging it off the backboard and you're shooting air balls, and I mean, and Michigan's best shooters doing that, all the more pressure needs to be. It makes the point even firmer and clearer to me that you got to be able to ride your defense because man, they couldn't throw it in the ocean last night so i'm still trying to figure out how in the world that that michigan gets five buckets in the entire second half and they shoot 21 percent and they win the game like i i have a hard time imagining a scenario where that can happen but let me share uh you know a, a coaching philosophy when i coached aau and when i'm in the gym today with young players and when i broadcast there's a statement I always make, and it's the little things make a big difference. And last night versus Penn State was the perfect example. One of the best examples I've ever seen. Okay. Over the course of 40 minutes, there were 25 or 30 different plays that went Michigan's way, but could have gone the other way, a loose ball, um, a, you know, a 50, 50 rebound, um, you know, a point where maybe you're mad and you could throw your hands up in the air and get a technical foul, but you don't. Um, and, and if Michigan has one or two of those plays that go the other way, they lose. And, and it makes it seem really improbable to me if Michigan loses last night that they play in the NCAA. I think it would have crushed them and it would have been just a horrible loss. So does that sound like hyperbole or an exaggeration? I, I don't think it is. No. Michigan's margin for air right now is razor thin. So last night against Penn State, you've got a 55 possession game. Um, what's important? What are the little things that Michigan did that made a big difference? Well, the first is they only they only committed 11 fouls. That's that's really hard on the road versus a driving team. That's a real sign of growth. Also, Michigan makes 86 percent of their free throws. They were plus 13 from the line. Now, if I'm a Penn State 
guy right now, I'm probably arguing that the whistle was unfair in Michigan's favor, but I'm not going to worry about that now. Um, also, how do you like Michigan stepping to the line in a one possession game and they make six out of six from the line to ice the game? That That's really impressive. That's winning basketball. Uh, next up, I, I, I love the fact that they only had seven turnovers the, against anybody. I know teams that have seven turnovers in the pregame layup line. Okay. Michigan was really stingy with the ball. And then also, how about Hunter? He had a poor game. Okay. By his standards. Now he had 19 and 15 with eight offensive rebounds to put that in perspective. Penn state as a team had eight offensive rebounds. They had the same number as Hunter and he had four blocks and he had only two fouls. And, and so that's how you go on the road and shoot 32%. Um, if you look at the box score, Terrence Williams was one for one. He was the only Michigan player to shoot at 50% or better. And, and so with all that being said, the fact that Michigan has no depth at guard, um, they can't afford any injuries or foul trouble or they'll lose. That's why it's a great example of little things make a big difference. Yeah. Outstanding breakdown there, Tim. And Again, I got to keep giving credit to to Juwan, to to Sadi, to Phil, to H. I mean, they it was a heck of an, an adjustment because I mean, Penn State they got in a rhythm early, and then you know I know Juwan was very critical of the defense early in the game, but it got to the point where even when they did tighten up, I mean, Penn State started hitting tough twos, man. I mean, really yeah. contested yep. shots, and you're like, man, that's good defense, and they're they're just in a zone right now. So how do you disrupt? Rhythm and the zone accomplished that. So that was a huge, huge deal because it's not like things got a whole lot better for Michigan offensively either, to your point. But one team, in talking about Penn State, they had no answer. They had no plan, seemingly, to deal with that zone. It completely stymied uh, their game to the basket. Whereas Michigan, while shots weren't falling, they were at least able to get into the paint and draw fouls, and the foul line wound up being a difference in this game. So great adjustment. Uh, the players went out there, executed at the free throw line as well. Only people upset, only uh, people who were back in Michigan that were upset by that game were the people who bet on the game and, yeah. and lost when Penn State <laughs> hit that three-pointer at the buzzer, man. Uh, Talk about that, a bad beat, Tim. That was a bad beat, man. Yeah, that's that's a that that's that's a hard one. I remember once when I was um, playing for the Knicks, and I stepped to the line late in the game, and you know it was game was over with and it was a little garbage time and i i missed the second half of of a of a um of a two shot foul and the horn went off and as i was walking off the court people were swearing and throwing programs and i didn't really understand what had happened and the trainer who 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 um was up on that kind of stuff i should say he said you know you just cost a lot of people money you know the spread was was 7 and if you if you if you make that free throw, we cover. And so I, I I'm totally aware. Of it. Hey, but what about the shooting, Sam? Three point shooting. I mean, we we've talked about it. And we've said this is a bad three point shooting team. But some of those shots, man, they they, I mean, if if you rose up and shot from three, that's what I would expect. Like if you because you don't practice a lot, like that's some of those shots look like your shots, Sam. Right. Am I right? You no, know, you're, you're, but you're hundred percent right. I'm laughing because I was thinking the same thing. Like, wait a minute, man. These are good looks. Like you can't tell your team don't shoot that. 
because the offense is doing what it's supposed to do, getting you these good looks from distance and, and your guys that are supposed to be able to knock down those shots. And so that's why that's why I am to the point where I I expect I expect for them to be up and down for like like if they go into a game and they shoot well from three, I'm like, wow, great. That's I'm not expecting that. I'm I'm planning for them to struggle from the perimeter. So how do you compensate for that? That's why I say, you know, defense, man. Now, now, and you you see Juwan doing this on the sideline. He was doing it again last night. Guys will get a rebound. Run, run, run. He's trying to push him down the court. Let's yeah. let's let's uh-huh. get up and down. Let's 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 try to attack them before they get set in in their defense. These are ways in which you can mitigate some of the stress that is placed on them in their half court offense because it's just gonna be up and down, Tim, because they are not going to shoot it well consistently. They're, you might get every now and then where you're like, wow, a couple games where they're doing it really well, but you got to know that that's going to be fleeting. That's not going to last for a long time. Right. I, I felt bad after last week's podcast. I felt maybe I came down on them too hard, and I said Michigan is a poor shooting team from the perimeter. And I thought, okay, is that is that fair? Is that accurate? And I started looking at some of the numbers. Last four games, Michigan is 18 for 73 from three. That's 24%. And and I feel like shooting threes is a privilege, and not everybody gets to do it. You you earn the right by making them in practice. You earn the right over the course of a career like, like Eli Brooks. You earn the right like Hunter Dickinson. Like you're in there busting your tail on the boards and playing defense and dominating the paint. Go ahead. Go ahead and launch some. And he's actually – become a pretty good shooter. Michigan is 13th in the Big 10 in threes made. They make they make 6 per game which is like what 18 points per game. Um I I want Caleb to shoot threes because I've seen him make shots. I want Eli, I I want Devonte to shoot threes. But the rest of the guys they need to start being very selective. Um you know when when can Brandon Johns take a three? Well, when he just gets an offensive rebound and dunks it in traffic, okay, or when he makes a couple free throws or he's playing great on TV, you've got to earn the right. Don't settle. And and the, the other thing, when you watch the trajectory of a three-point shooter, a really good three-point shooter, you can tell if it's got a really good chance based on the arc. And, and Michigan missed seven threes in a row, as I was counting. And I could tell immediately that they were off because they were low trajectory. There was no arc on them. And Sam, all seven of them either hit the backboard or they hit the back of the rim. A good three is right there. You know, it might, it might clip the front of the rim, but it's straight. It may hit the back iron and then front iron and it goes up. But, but some of those threes, Frankie Collins three could have broke the backboard. I mean, that, that was, that was shocking to me. So I just, I feel like Michigan should be more selective in who's shooting the threes and, and how their game is going. Don't shoot a three just because, you, you know, you see your sub is coming in for you over at the scorer's table, or, you know, you want to try to do something to jumpstart your, jumpstart your game on defense, get a loose ball, get in transition, do some other things, but don't just launch threes. All right. All right. So Tim. The game that you predicted would go in Michigan's favor, matchup with Purdue. They are coming off <clears throat> being played to the hilt uh, by Michigan. What? And then they got to travel to Michigan. 
what do you anticipate the second matchup looking like? Well, first, let, let's talk about who Purdue is, and then we'll talk a little bit about how you can beat them, okay? So, so Michigan's a nine-point underdog. So I, I have to say it would be a foolish play to say, oh, yeah, Michigan wins outright. I'm going to take all my money and put it on Michigan. I wouldn't do that. But I can make an argument that this sets up nicely for Michigan. They've got a chance, okay? Um, I'm pretty sure when I get my bracket in a month, I'm going to pencil Purdue into my final four without hesitation. I think they're the best team in the Big Ten. I think it's by a wide margin. The, the numbers back it up. They're number one in offense. They score 85 points a game. They're number one in scoring margin, which is 16 points per game. 16 points per game is a blowout to me, and that's what they beat Illinois by last night. They're number one in field goal percentage. They're number one in three-point percentage. They're number one in assists. They're number two in rebounding. Jaden Ivey is a top-five pick. They've got the best center duo in college basketball. I guess I would put Gonzaga on that list, mm -hmm. too. Um, but but so here is why I think they've got a shot, all right? Brace yourself, Sam. Here it comes. Purdue beat Illinois last night at home by 16, mm -hmm. um, and that's what they do. Uh, crazy environment. The game was definitely penciled on Purdue's calendar for a month. Illinois too. This is, this is the big game of the big 10 season. Um, they outscored Illinois by 18 in the second half. Um, they're now in first place tied with Illinois and Ohio state. It was really a must win for Purdue. Just trying to stay in touch with the leaders in the big 10. So, and, so and, you know, and Illinois, Illinois was leading at halftime of that game yeah. too. Yeah, so so Purdue put everything, everything into that game. Jaden Ivey's great. He's got over 20. They shot 50% from the field. They won the rebound and they had low turns. It was the kind of game where afterward you take a deep breath and you relax, okay? In the locker room, you know that Matt Painter, he got water bottles dumped on him. And the guys were dancing and hugging and patting each other on the back when they walk on campus today. Big man on campus for sure. And, and guess what? Michigan is waiting, and this is their game of the year. And to make matters worse, it's a quick turnaround time. It's a 9 o'clock start. It's going to be a full house in Chrysler, and it's a perfect time. I, I, want, I want Purdue to relax. They played great. They're the best team in the Big Ten. They're going to be in the Final Four. I want them walking into Chrysler with that mindset. And I think they will. Yeah. I mean, if Purdue plays like that offensively, man, it's going to be really, really tough. I mean, Jaden Ivey was hitting his jumpers last night too. Um, you know, to, to me, that's really, that's really the, the only answer to trying to slow him down is he can be an erratic jump shooter. As everyone knows, if he's hitting from the perimeter, I, I just, I don't know how you beat them. Uh, Cause that, that dude, the other thing that he was doing against Michigan, I mean, he was, he wasn't just carving them up uh, in the half court himself, you know, getting to the basket, scoring himself. He was creating for other people too. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, no I mean, the no dude doubt. really can, he really can do it. If he's hitting his jump shot, you, you just, you, you got to hope that everyone else is off at that point because that dude, you just aren't stopping him. No, you're, aren't. you're right. You're, you're right. And, and so in my, my uh, mind, as I try to come up with things that Michigan needs to do, um, you just touched on one of the important ones. I would put Eli Brooks on Ivy. Um, I, I would tell him, you know, look, 
don't don't practice on Wednesday. We're, you just sit there and rest. You know, put your feet in ice, put ice bags on your knees, just rest. You know, we're going to get you a good meal tonight because tomorrow you're going to play 35 minutes and you're going to be on Ivy as soon as he walks out of the locker room. Everywhere he goes, you go. And, and you're going to stay between him and the basket and you're going to encourage him to take jump shots. And if he jump, if he jump, jump shots you to death, then that's okay. That, then that's what's supposed to happen. Um, so, so that's one key. Also, it's a great idea to press once in a while. Um, over the course of the game, if it's a one or two possession game, if you can generate two or three turnovers, that's really good. If you keep Purdue from just flowing into their offense, that's a good thing too. And then also, not only Jaden Ivey, I would make Purdue beat me from three, except Stefanovic. Everybody else, I, I, would, I would make them prove that they can make shots. And in that first game at Purdue, Michigan won plus nine. I, I didn't realize that, but they outshot them, made three more threes than Purdue. Oh, I didn't, didn't, didn't know that either. <laughs> okay, that's, that's good. Hopefully Stefanovic shoots it like he shot it last night. Uh, he wasn't very good from three-point range. It was it was Ivy and then a bunch of the reserves. Uh, Gillis was pretty good from three-point range last night, too. Yeah, I like him. I like him. Here, here's another one. Caleb and Musa, you're home, okay? You're you're almost you're you're over halfway down with your freshman year. You're not really freshman anymore. We need we need between 15 and 20 points and plenty of help on the glass. Okay. Let the, the crowd feed you with all kinds of energy. Um, we, we have to help Hunter on the boards for sure. And then I think that a slow pace helps some game somewhere in the sixties would be good. And, and, and then the, the, the other thing, which is most important is protect Hunter. Every time a guard lets their man drive by, you're basically saying, okay, I'm gonna put my big man in jeopardy. And that's unacceptable. Oh, look, man, he did a, I thought a masterful job of playing good defense with without fouling in the first matchup. I, I was really impressed when you look at who he had to face. I thought he did a decent job against Edie. Uh, you know, Trevion Williams, he just hit some 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 tough fadeaways over Hunter, but I'll take that, uh, especially with Hunter being on the floor and what he was able to do offensively. I didn't feel like those guys beat him. And if I can feel like those guys didn't beat me uh, with, with Hunter Dickinson playing defense, the way he played, I, I'll take that. And, and Musa, too. All the guys who contributed in their, on their interior defense. Can you do a better job on the perimeter? Mainly with Jaden Ivey, but they gave up. They gave up too many. Um, you know, I, I thought they could have done a better job, even though they shot him, outshot him from three. I thought they could have done a better job uh, contesting out at three-point line. Uh, but then when you're closing out, and this was, again, a on display in the Penn State game. I mean, man, you know, it, it's it, – maybe it's a coaching point. How how do you close out under control? Uh, because mm-hmm. they, they give up leverage routinely on closeouts, and that is something that they have got to tighten up because that will help, you know, stop some of these Olays to the basket if they can just do that a little better. Yep. 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 Hey, do, do you think that Hunter listens to the podcast? Because when we, um, when we talked about that, he needs to get to the 10 minute mark with no fouls that, that that would help him be more aggressive and play with confidence. I, I think he was listening. Do you, do you agree? Maybe so. Maybe so. Tim, Lay, <laughs> look, you said, you said the other day, you know, you want Hunter and Eli and, 
and DJ, you want them taking a certain number of shots. Hunter's definitely hearing that. <laughs> he's no, he's and, getting his and, shots, man. And just in case Michigan's big men listen to the podcast, I've got a message from Musa. Should, should I deliver it? Deliver it, Tim. Go away. Go ahead. So I think he's hit a little bit of a rookie wall, and they need him. He, he's getting big minutes, and he's a starter in the Big Ten. And I know they're asking a lot, but the last three games, he's got 11 points total. And he's only blocked one shot in three games, and he has one steal, and he has one made free throw. Did you realize that? Because, I mean, we love him. I mean, he brings energy and effort, and he's he's a really good offensive rebounder. But but he's got a big advantage, Sam, because he's playing with Hunter Dickinson every day. And every defense is so loaded up to stop Hunter that, that Moose has got the freedom and the size and the athleticism to dominate the offensive glass. And, and I don't think that his energy level is good enough right now. And he's got to have that swagger. And I would love to see him be able to make five to seven foot shots. I do. He, yeah. <laughs> remember we talked about Robert trailer, like yeah. Robert trailer needed to get all the way to the rim. He was an angle score. I, I think that Musa wants to get to the rim and he's, he's especially against tomorrow's opponent. He's going to have to be able to make five to seven foot shots. Well, you, you made a key point that I think is worth emphasizing. Look, when you have the kind of size that Michigan has, you should be beastly on the glass. And, and frankly, they need to be with as, much as, with as many shots as they miss. They need second-chance points uh, more than they're getting. And so I agree wholeheartedly, Tim. Uh, that that is one place where, and we've seen Musa do that. We've seen Musa be uh, be all over the glass in in some games. We've we've seen him be more aggressive in getting his own offense. I'm thinking about Michigan State. You know, the game against Michigan State before I got away from him in the second half. I thought one of the the early um, you know high points or bright spots for Michigan was was Musa's aggressiveness on the offensive end. Uh, they're going to need that from him. I know we we keep pointing out. It feels like we're pointing out a lot of things with the freshmen, especially. I think what that's indicative of is that they they just they gotta have more from from those guys. There yes. clearly yes. that was wrapped up in a lot of the preseason prognostications, what they were expecting to get from the freshmen. And frankly, past the halfway point of the season now, uh, you gotta have them start playing like sophomores. Yeah, there's no doubt. And man, you're you're a good point guard, Sam, because when you started talking about the rebounding and how important it is. I found a stat which which backs up exactly what you're saying. Michigan this year is 12 and 5 when they win the rebounding battle. When they lose the uh, the rebounding battle, they're 0 and 5. And so Purdue pounded Michigan on the glass 32 to 22 in West Lafayette. So that's a massive key and you're right. Musa needs to be very active but not shooting threes. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. I agree, Tim. Ooh, ooh. See, here's the thing. Here in, in Moose's defense and and in uh in Frankie's defense, hey man, your three-point shooters were shooting some ugly shots too. It was like, man, it was an epidemic out there yep. uh, out there last night, man. Like, good grief. So here's here's the bright side. Maybe they were just getting it out of their system, Tim. They were shooting <laughs> all the bad shots last night. So when Purdue comes back to town, they can find their mark again. Water finds its level. And, and I remember um, Tommy Amaker always used to say, 
that shooting is contagious. And as soon as somebody makes one, then the next one goes in a little bit easier. And, and the, 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 the key for Michigan um, is what we said last week. Are they a good defensive team? No, but they're better than they've shown. Are they a good shooting team? No, but they're better than they've shown. And, and tomorrow, if they knock off Purdue, they're going to the NCAA tournament. That, that, is, that is as impactful and powerful one as you're going to find. And, and that, that gives them all the momentum that they need. I th- and I, I think if they beat Purdue, I think they beat Ohio State, too. I think they'll just get on a roll. But, but it's, it's very fragile. Well, uh, let me give you another nod. You know, I, I'm, you know, you, you don't want to get caught up in the recency bias, but man, watching the last two games, Jay Ivey last night against Illinois, Saturday against Michigan, I, I got to close out by saying, Tim, I'm, I'm coming to your side, man. Big Ten player of the year, Jay Ivey. I, I know, look, man, Johnny Davis had himself a hell of a game against Michigan State. They went to Michigan State and, and pulled that one out, and Johnny Davis was big time in that game, but man, I. Jay Nivey, I just don't know what the answer is for that dude right now. He has athleticism. He can create for others. Uh, he can uh, he he can finish. The only question is, will his jump shot will it get more consistent? And I got a feeling that it will with with time as he, uh, you know, as he get is as he shoots more as he goes up in level. I think you're going to see when he's all he's doing is working on his game and not going to class like you have to do in college. I think you're going to see that dude, because his form's not bad, Tim. He doesn't have an ugly shot. I think you're going to see Jay Nivey be a better jump shooter, and then he'll be complete, and that's the guy I want with the Detroit Pistons. And to take it one step further, when you play college basketball, the lane is so congested, and he's playing with the the most congestion of anybody in college basketball because he's always playing with a massive center that never really leaves the paint. Wait till he's in the NBA. If you watch an NBA game now, on half of the sets, nobody even touches the paint. There's no big guys. They'll cut through for a second, but the lane is so wide open. He's going to be a much better NBA player than he will college. Yeah, you can't get caught up in the stats because there's so there's so much offensive talent on Purdue's team. He's not gonna. He's not going to have Keegan Murray's uh, scoring average. He's not going to have Johnny Davis's scoring average, right? He just doesn't get as many shots routinely. But, man, when they need him, when they need him to take over, oh, man, he's uh, he might be the best guy in the country. <laughs> so, yep, yep, yep. Good, good stuff, Sam. Good stuff. All right, Tim, as always, a true pleasure to hear your breakdowns, my friend. Folks, be sure to join us next week when we break down another week of Michigan basketball. Until then, thanks for listening to another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 